This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome in to the Hoisty Colors podcast. It is our Hoisty uh, Colors After Dark special EC Baseball edition, 9 p.m. I'm tired, guys. I, I can't wait to uh, to wake up in a few hours with the 18-month-old. But, hey, we're rolling right along. 9 o'clock, it's when it works for, for all of us. And I am joined uh, by Jonathan Wagner and Scott Lorbacher. It's our ECU Baseball Roundtable. We are live. If you've got comments... Drop them on YouTube, drop them on Facebook, give us a like, give us a share, give us a subscribe. We're going to go live a lot more going forward. And guys, we are two weeks away tonight from the start of East Carolina baseball. And I guess, you know, I'm going to throw out our first question. Will we be celebrating a win on opening day over George Washington at this time uh, two weeks from now? Uh, what y'all think? Man, I hope so. Yeah, I can't wait to see if we don't. What uh, the message will look like again? But no, I think we will. I think I think looking at uh, some of their games from last year, I think we'll score a lot of runs um, in game one this year. I think yeah. this season will start off a lot differently than last year did. I'll I'll just put it that way. Hey, we got to be where our feet are, guys. Be where our feet are. Uh, no looking ahead. George Washington. Anytime a president rolls into Greenville, North Carolina, it's a big deal. <laughs> Um, and you know, the pirates don't care about the opponent. It's all about themselves, preparation, ECU plays itself. You guys know the deal, all the cliches, yeah, I, but I've done but as hey, much hey, like they did against Brian. It's going to be a, it's going to be a long open a weekend. Yeah, I think I've done as much research as uh, cliff has at this point, just by pulling up their schedule from last year. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt. I, I've done, I've done next to, next to nothing. But hey, Really, I mean, we'll get it and we'll get into a little bit of everything here. I don't, to be honest, up front, guys, for those listening, I don't have a script um, for this episode. Now, we did talk about the potential of doing a uh, a show. Was it not Super Bowl Sunday, but the Monday after Super Bowl Sunday? We're going to do like our, you know, prognostications, picks, all that sort of stuff. Um, oh, yeah. so yeah, that'll be fun. And we'll, we'll try to make our picks on what breakout players will be, who will lead the staff in ERA, all that sort of stuff. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that, but 
Hey, who's fired up for February 17th? First of all, uh, do we think we're going to have any good weather to start the season? Scott, what do you think? Absolutely not. It, it will be between 40 and 50 degrees um, that whole weekend. Uh, it's it's never warm. Um, sometimes it's just not that cold. Um, just hopefully we don't have wind. Like I feel like it's if it's sunny and 55, it is what it is. If it's cloudy and 55 and windy, that's – the most miserable weather that you can be in. But yeah, my prediction is always bad weather. You know, it was, it was pretty good, Jonathan, like the last few weeks, but now that the calendar turned to February and ECU baseball is getting closer, it's, you know, the weather has progressively gotten worse. That's a sign of the times. It is the same conversation every year. And I'm glad Scott brought up the wind because I feel like lately that's what's made it so cold outside. And yeah, I I feel like it's going to be nice and sunny. We're going to get away with no, no rain or anything, knock on wood but the wind's just going to come and ruin it all. But, you know, I'll, if I'm sitting out there watching baseball, that's okay with me. I'll take cold weather for a couple couple months. So we got a couple of comments uh, already on our Facebook – or, excuse me, our YouTube page. Uh, Chuck, he wants to know, is this live? <laughs> it is, Chuck, believe it or not. We are live. Uh, secondly, he wants to know, will the Seattle Mariners make the playoffs? Uh, absolutely. At this point, they're going to make it yearly on an annual basis. <laughs> they broke the drought. I am wearing my Mariners shirt. Jonathan's wearing his national shirt. Scott is wearing his ECU shirt. He was going to wear his red shirt, but, you know, you can't be any more embarrassing than Washington Nationals right now, so you might as well wear it. Hey, I've got no shame. They had, they've at least had some fun in the last 20 years. That's a good point. <laughs> since I was, since the I Reds was, at least have some cool players. Yeah. Remember when we had Griffey that one time? That was cool. <laughs> hey, Mariners Griffey a little bit better, but hey. Slightly, slightly better. <laughs> All right, let's talk some Pirate Baseball, guys. Um, I, I, I do have, a, again, if you guys are just tuning in, drop your comments, Facebook, uh, YouTube. We'll, we'll show them on the screen. We'll get them read. Um, we got some questions from – uh, the hoist the colors message board. Do y'all want to start there, or do y'all want to start with my lame prompt questions? Let's start. Let's start with the message board, guys. They've let's do it. it. Yeah, yeah, they're more important, anyways. Uh, Chop <laughs> Arg. Uh, all right, he's got five, so he's a good one to start with. Uh, all right, one sleeper for infield, outfield, and pitcher, and that's just his first question. So, um, his, answering his might take the entire show. All right, sleeper for infield. I mean, you could go a lot of different ways here. Um, I'll start it off. I'll go. I'll go Dixon Williams for third base, and I may have taken y'all's, um, yep. which is this is why I started off. Uh, <laughs> um, Dixon Williams, Conley product, Amac probably going to start the year as the opening third baseman, but I just think the way Dixon Williams is hitting, from what I've heard and has looked this preseason, I don't think they're going to be able to to keep him off the field. So I'm going to go Dixon Williams, uh, Jonathan, you. Yeah, that, that's who I was going to take as well. And I think just watching him in the preseason scrimmages back in the fall, he, he looks legit already. And that's when he was, you know, fresh on the campus and really just getting started. So I, th- I think he has a lot of potential. And I think he has a lot of potential, you know, really early on. And, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but, who knows what's going to happen at shortstop throughout the course of the year. So I think the whole infield is going to be a lot of moving parts, at least for the first couple of months. And ultimately I just think Dixon Williams is going to find his way onto the field. I think he's going to be too good not to. And 
Yeah. Joey Barini could, I think he's going to play a lot early too. So I guess that's my fallback option just because I think he's going to be on the field. But yeah, Dixon Williams, that's a pretty, pretty good answer for me. Scott, any thoughts? I'm going to Starling. I think Starling is going to be just a huge part of our offense this year. Um, You know, if you look at us historically, we've had really successful offensive second baseman. Um, And I think he, getting a full year of playing time, being in the lineup every day, I think he's going to just really grow and and be that guy that that Connor Norby this year that, you know, kind of comes out of nowhere and is just, you know, one of the leaders on our offense. All right, we got a couple of YouTube questions. Ryan Gupton, who's a former uh, EC baseball player, also a former neighbor of mine uh, and a former Conley Viking. What's up, Gup? Uh, he wants to know, Igo, are you being official with the ring light or are you just that white? Uh, <laughs> I am extremely white. Uh, I don't know what's going on. I don't have a ring light. I think it's my computer brightness. Is this helping as I turn it down? Is that making a difference at all? No. I, there's something in my settings to where it's like automatically uh, automatically making it bright. So y'all are just going to have to deal with that. Uh, you, you can you can cover me up with, uh, I don't know, a logo or something. Maybe I can work on that. Um, Chuck wants to know what will the starting rotation be? I mean, I kind of had this as a prompt, but we'll, we'll get into this, uh, now and we'll get back to the message board questions, but our live questions will always take priority as you guys are tuned in. Um, starting rotation. I mean, I feel like it's pretty set that Spivey, unless something crazy happens, will start on Friday. I heard Josh Groves look really good today. I think he's probably going to start somewhere on Saturday or or, or probably on Saturday, start somewhere. Sunday, the third spot is kind of the big question for me, and that leads leads me into my prompt. Who do you all think, if we can, you know, make an accurate guess, will be that that Sunday starter? Uh, Scott, we'll start with you. I think hearing that um, you Savage added pitches this offseason – makes me think that he's the third guy. Um, if you're looking at a guy who can throw mid to mid-90s, I would say. I don't know about upper, but mid-90s. And then he has a cutter, a splitter, and a slider. And then you're talking about a guy that can can really tunnel his pitches, right? You know, I mean, not to get too into the weeds, but you have pitches that are going in four different directions depending on what he's throwing. And that allows him to be, you know, go through the lineup multiple times, whereas what last year was a fastball splitter? What, what was his? Fastball curveball. That was fastball pretty much it. Right. So, yeah. you know, last year hitters are looking for two things, and, you know, you're not going to be successful the second, third time through the lineup like that. But if, if they're looking for multiple pitches that are going to be in the same spot halfway to them and then end in different spots – as they get across the plate, that makes it much more difficult. So, yeah, I have, I have you Savage as my third guy. Um, and, you know, last year your third starter was going three innings, four innings. So who knows what third starter really means um, this year. But, yeah, I think if you Savage can put it all together, he could be a, you know, a all, all-American, as in the conference, type pitcher. Wags, any any additional thoughts, or do you do you got you Savage too? No, I actually I don't think you Savage starts in the rotation. I think to me, I look at him and you know Garrett Saylor as back in bullpen guys, and that that looks pretty scary to me. So that's personally what I prefer. I I expect Zach Root to start on midweeks to open the year. 
I expect him to be the midweek guy that Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, but, and I think to me that probably leaves Jay Connor, Merritt Beaker for Sunday. Personally, I, I think it's between one of those two, if I had to guess. And I don't know. I, I think I lean Jay Connor. I think he, he showed glimpses last year. You know, he was, he was okay when he started off. I, I didn't expect him to be the Sunday starter last year, but he was to start out. And, you know, he had ups and downs, obviously, for true freshman year. But, you know, I think I think he's got a shot to get it right out of the gate. Merritt Beaker, underrated guy. But I think you Savage will ultimately end up in the rotation. But just opening weekend, I, I expect it to be one of Jake Hunter or, you know, Merritt Beaker on Sunday. If there's one thing we learned with Cliff Goblin – However, the opening rotation looks, uh, opening weekend, it, it's going to look vastly different uh, by the end of the year. I mean, very rarely has the rotation or the lineup been the same at the end of the year. So, um, you know, I, I haven't been able to make it out to scrimmages yet. I've heard reports. Uh, you know, I'm, we're, we're probably all going to be out there the next 15 weekends. So, like, you know, I, I can only take so much baseball, I will admit, but especially in the cold. Um you know, I do think Savage is is so intriguing. I think he starts in that bullpen role, but man, it's got to be tantalizing to like have that dude as a two or three starter and just see how it goes. So I do think he will eventually get a shot to start. Uh, I, I I think I'm with Jonathan. I think I'm going to roll with with Hunter or Beaker to start with, um, and we'll kind of see. You know, and then you got guys like Charlie Hodges and Landon Ginn who, who, you know, have started elsewhere and could start. We've heard Hodges mentioned. And um, there's just so many options. Like, I don't even know where to go after after you start to run down some of the names. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see how it plays out. Zach Root as well, a freshman. You know, I, I don't see maybe them rolling a freshman out there unless they have to on open a weekend. So I do think Zach Root eventually will get a shot there, but I don't think he starts there right away. Um just my thoughts there. So we'll see, man, a lot to, to unpack there. Um, all right. While we're on the topic of pitching, gosh, we got a lot of questions rolling in. Appreciate this. Uh, <laughs> we better get to some of these. Um, we'll go back to the message board real quick. Cause one of the sleepers was for the pitching staff. Uh, any sleeper pitchers, uh, Scott, we'll start with you, um, that you did, that you think could have a breakout here. I think, um, uh, Jonathan Childress in the back half of the season becomes immensely important to this pitching staff. I don't know why. I just, I just think he has the talent and the ability to be really, really good. You know, I don't think he'll be ready at the start of the season um, and maybe not until it warms up. But I think when you get into those, um, those later months towards the end of the year, you're not, you know, you, you might need a spot start here from him. You might need a guy out of the bullpen. Um, you might, you know, you might need four innings out of a bullpen. He, he gives you that. Um, but yeah, that, that's my guys, uh, Jonathan Childers. Wags, any thoughts? Yeah, I think you mentioned him earlier, but I think a guy like Landon Ginn, I mean, we, we saw him, you know, a little bit his first go around at ECU two years ago, and he didn't really pitch much in early in the year, but you know, by conference tournament time, roll around, you know, Landon again was pitching a lot and I, I liked him. I thought he had, he brought some solid stuff and, you know, he got a lot more experience pitching last year and now he's back. And I just, I just think with, 
you know, so many unknowns kind of right now. And, and at least that's for us that obviously, you know, I think Cliff Godwin has a pretty good idea of his pitching staff. So I trust him, but you know, at least for us, there are a lot of unknowns again, we all, we always go there. So I think who's going to be that guy to step up, whether it's a spot start, whether it's a midweek starter or whether it's a, you know, midweek bullpen guy, if our starters are going like Scott said earlier, you know, four or five innings or whatever, you're going to need guys to come in and, give you some innings. And I think Landon again, he's not, he's not just a one inning guy. He can come in, he can give you two, three, four out of the bullpen if you need him to. So I think he, he's going to step up maybe a lot more than some people are expecting him to this year. I'll go uh, Eric Ritchie, a left-hander. I think anytime you got lefties and he did, I think gave up a bomb to Jacob Jenkins coward in the scrimmage today, but um, who hasn't given up a bomb to Jacob Jenkins coward? Uh, by the way, JJC, two bombs in a row to start, uh, you know, back-to-back weekends, I should say. He hit one off Sailor last weekend, so he appears to be a midseason form. Um, so I'll just go Eric Ritchie because he's a name that we haven't really talked about a lot uh, as far as a sleeper. All right, a couple updates from our our comment section. Uh, Ryan Gupton said, he, it's all good, man. I just threw on sunglasses. Uh <laughs> Uh, Skull Pirate uh, wants to know: Will Scott Lorbacher be my best friend? He's beautiful. Uh, any, any any comments there, Scott? Uh, no thanks, Colton. <laughs> um, all right, here's a good one from your boy Skull Pirate. Mm-hmm. Will ECU ever wear proper gray away uniforms? I will ask forever. Well, Skull, you need to direct your questions at Adidas, the apparel company, because they can't make matching gray uniforms. Is that not the most insane thing y'all have ever heard? It's crazy. It's yeah, How it's- can an apparel company not do that? Like, what are we doing? <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. I like, personally, I, I like the black jerseys, the jersey tops, you know, on those midweek road games or whatever. But, man, you need some classic gray road uniforms. You, you got you to have them. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's, – it's overdue, and if they can't match them, then I understand why they don't do it. But, I mean, get your crap together. Get your crap together, Adidas. That's all I got to say. It's the same um, design those those god-awful Louisville uniforms from a couple years ago where they had the giant cardinal oh on their name. Those are legitimately the worst <laughs> uniforms I've ever seen. They and really they really were. Yeah, there's Adidas makes some – some strange space ball uniforms. NC State has had some good ones, but also some terrible ones. Um, so, yeah, who knows? All right. Uh, more comments coming in. Um, I'm trying to, there's so many. I'm trying to figure out where we were. Uh, Purple Beard says, Well, we have gray bottoms already. I've heard the gray tops didn't match the tone of the bottoms. That is correct. Nobody wants two tone gray uniforms. And you can't um, go like gray tops, white pants. That is. Yeah an awful look so like they have to match that would be terrible terrible i'm loving all the scott lorbatcher love in this yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the people love butner pirate 25 man they are all aboard all right uh kurt Cone wants to know um what's the word on why ryan mccrystal was in participating in today's scrimmage i don't know kurt to be honest um I do have a source who's texting me that not a team source, but a person who would know perhaps why Ryan McChrystal was not um, was not participating. So if that source wants to inform me why, please let me know so I can share with the audience. Uh, 
because I don't know. Hopefully nothing serious. I'll check in if he if he continues to miss time. Uh, Kurt adds Zach Root looked good last Sunday. Yeah, I mean he's got legitimate stuff, so it's just a matter of putting it all together. Um, all right, a couple comments from YouTube from Purple Beard. Um, you think they'll go by committee like last year? Also, he says everyone is a closer mentality from last year. Any non-pitchers that could get a shot at pitching if needed. A lot of questions there in one purple beard. Um, first off, I think we'll see less less committee pitching in terms of starting. But Cliff Goblin's always done it by committee in terms of if you're not getting the job done, you're going to have a quick hook. So um, that's just my feel. I think there'll be starters pitching deeper in the game, but you'll still see a lot of changes. But y'all handle the everyone is closer mentality from last year. And also Knight talked about this immediate day. I don't think that's going to change. How about y'all? Definitely not. I think I think you know if you look at Cliff Godwin over the years as a as a head coach, I think he picks up something each year and kind of runs with it. And I think last year, what what he would have picked up is the the flexibility in your pitching staff, where you know sometimes you just need a guy to get an inning or an out, and and we're going to keep doing that um, because it led us to twenty straight wins. I mean, so you know. Not that I think he's gonna. He wants to have a quick hook, but he knows that that option is there, and that our pitching staff staff is deep enough to do that. Yeah, and and I agree. I think, and obviously last year, you know, going in, you know, less than two weeks before the year, you lose your Friday night ace, and everything just gets thrown into a blender pretty much, and you just have to find a way to recover from that. And things really never did get settled. I mean, it was a revolving door really up until postseason time, and even then, stuff was changing. So I think I'd much rather, you know, things not happen that way this year. Personally, you know, let's just let's have a set rotation. Let's have it work. But obviously a baseball season is long. You're going to go through a lot of arms. You're going to go through a lot of guys. So but I do think having that experience that everyone is a closer mentality from last year and going through what they did last year is going to be very valuable going into this year for those guys like Trey Savage, you know. He came in, he pitched an out at a time sometimes, he pitched a couple innings at a time sometimes, and now he could start. So I think just having that versatility pretty much throughout the pitching staff, I don't think there's one guy who can't do both if you don't need him to. So I think that's really valuable going into the year. For sure. And uh, we got an update, by the way, on McChrystal. My source came through. Uh, nothing serious, uh, just just a little sore. So uh, we're okay. All right. Speaking of Ryan Crystal, uh, I, I wanted to save this for our, our maybe our Monday podcast next week, but uh, or in a couple weeks, I think McChrystal is going to have a big year, guys. I, I, he just seems to be carrying himself better. Um, specifically, when I saw him in the fall, he looks much more confident. His swing looks smoother. You know, a little bit less moving parts, and he just defensively has made a huge jump. And to me, he's my breakout guy to watch. Just what what are you know what are your expectations, Jonathan, for McChrystal going into his first year as a starter, and uh, what are you expecting from him on the plate? Yeah, I think defense is really important. You look at last year, and just like the pitching staff was a revolving door, the catching position was a revolving door, especially early until Ben Newton kind of took the reins and didn't really give him up. And I think that honestly had a lot to do with why guys on the mound maybe couldn't settle into a role. You know, you didn't have a catcher back there every day. This this year, I think you have that. 
I think everything I've heard about McChrystal this offseason, obviously he tore it up over the summer. His bat, his bat's legit. If he isn't a lineup every day, he's going to produce. It's just can that defense, you know, follow through? And I believe it can. I like his arm. And obviously Will Coxon's still here too. So I don't think McChrystal's in a position to where he's going to have to go out there and catch every single game this year. I think he's going to have some games where he's at the DH role, and I think that'll help take a little pressure off his bat. So I, I also expect big things from McChrystal this year. He, he's one of he's one of my big break, breakout guys. He's actually not who I had written down, but I do expect a very big year from McChrystal. Yeah, I think it's uh, – I'm high on Nick DeLisi too, the freshman. I just know he's coming off surgery, and I think – you know I don't know how much he'll play as a freshman, but I do like where they stand behind the plate – um, you know, going forward with Will Coxon, with uh, McChrystal, obviously, and then with the lease. And they got a lot of good catchers committed for the future years as well. All right, let's go back to our YouTube questions. Uh, Chuck wants to know who will be the best impact freshman. And, I mean, I feel like it's – you know, we talked about Dixon Williams earlier, but I feel like it's almost impossible not to go with a shortstop here. I mean – don't we expect those guys to pretty much play uh, one way or the other? Uh, Scott, any, any thoughts there? Yeah, I, that's who I was going to say was uh, Rasmussen. Um, and I think listening to uh, Cliff's interview with you and uh, him talking on media day where he always talked about how great his offense was but was challenging him defensively, uh, I think that's what to watch for there is can his glove keep him in the lineup? Um, and if so, then I think he plays most every game at shortstop and he's a, a huge part of this team going forward. Wags, any, anybody else or any, any follow up there? Yeah. I mean, I think the shortstops are obviously, you know, someone's got to play. So, and we mentioned it earlier, Dixon Williams, I just think he's, he's too good to not be on the field. He might not be in the starting lineup opening day. He might not start opening weekend. But by the end of the year, Dixon Williams, Williams is going to be in the lineup. Uh, I'll write that down. And we mentioned Zach Root, too. Again, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he starts midweeks right out of the gates. So I think his role is going to be pretty substantial. And I think it's only going to grow as he gets more comfortable. And his Zach Root's stuff is legit. He, he's got really good stuff, especially as a lefty, freshman lefty on the mound. So I'm really excited to see what those guys can bring this year. We had a question on uh, the Hoist of Colors site uh, about Cam Burgess, who is a freshman and who is a right-handed hitting freshman, 6'1", 220. He hit a home run, I believe, last weekend. Um, and the guy wanted to know really what position he plays. I think he's a corner infielder, uh, you know, DH type of guy, maybe third base. But it feels like at some point one of these right-handed hitters, these young guys, are going to have to step up to create some offensive balance because this – you know, this is going to be a lefty-heavy lineup, to say the least. I mean, they're going to be seven, eight lefties uh, pretty much regularly, uh, you know, especially when you look at it, if, if Rasmussen ends up being the shortstop, he's a left-handed hitter. It sounds like Makarevich is basically going to be, you know, a left-handed hitter, at, you know, for, for I guess he's got some sort of wrist injury or something, which he is better from the left side. But still, that's a change. Um, so I, I think somebody like Burgess – or if the Lisi develops throughout the year, or some of these young guys develop, I think you could see them 
uh, going forward. Is there any concern from y'all with, with them being so left-handed heavy? I mean, they were pretty much that way last year. It sounds like it'll be even more this, this year. Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely something I'm keeping an eye on. And I think, I mean, you have Jacob Starling in the lineup. He's a righty in, who again? Who knows who's really going to play at shortstop? If Joey Barini finds his way in, he is a switch hitter, and his he doesn't have the greatest bat in the world, but I think he's solid enough. But and then you know, other than that, if especially if Makarevich is not really switch hitting right now, that's that's pretty much it off the top of my head. And so I think someone like Cam Burgess, you know, there's going to be opportunities at DH, is what I'll say, and. And I think Justin Wilcoxon, too, he's going to play DH. I think him and McChrystal are going to really be catcher or DH a lot of the season. And and Wilcoxon, he hits lefties better than you would think as a left-handed hitter. So I think if Wilcoxon's in the lineup, the need for another right-handed bat is lessened a little bit. But over the course of the year, you're going to need a righty. Or if guys just throw out lefties and you can't hit them, then guys are going to keep throwing lefties at you. So it's really important. So I really hope one of those freshmen can stand up, be a middle middle of the order type of bat. Yeah, you definitely uh, go ahead. A lot of, uh, like junk ball lefties, you know, especially midweek. Um, so that obviously um, does worry you a little bit. But you know, honestly, you know, as much as we bond, it doesn't really matter, right? If uh, they're left-handed or right-handed, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, you know, without seeing the splits, it's hard to say because there's left-handed hitters that hit left-handed pitchers better than hit right-handed pitchers. So I think the whole lefty-on-lefty thing is is sometimes overblown. Um, you know, I, I actually I th- I thought that Amax should have hit left-handed for a while because I think he's just such a better hitter left-handed than he is right-handed. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're we're not two-way you anymore. We're just left-handed hitter you now i guess but I, I i'm not as worried about it as some other people might be yeah yeah not nah, we'll see how it plays out i mean if there's a trend that develops early in the season that gets struggling you know struggling against left-handed pitching then you know maybe you're more concerned but last year we did not see that trend really develop uh paul brooks wants to know why have the pirates had to play cincinnati for multiple series again this year this is at least the third year i know of uh, that's because paul they are the traveling aac partner for ecu so boy nothing gets my blood flowing like bearcats <laughs> pirates in baseball i will say though cincinnati's program has come a long way compared to where they were you know when they first entered the american they do have some sweet sweet uniforms as well uh especially the one with the bearcat on the chest i'm a big fan of that <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I will not miss Cincinnati next year when they're in the Big Twelve. So we'll get rid of a lot of our uh, um, fake field opponents next year. That's right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, nah, there's no doubt about that. All right, this is a loaded question uh, from your boy Skull Pirate. Um, prediction for the year. I mean, you know, this is. I did make the title of this podcast the is this the year ECU bust down the door to Omaha. I mean that is a I'll be quite honest like I just made that the title to get you guys to click on this podcast. Like I don't, I don't <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I don't I don't have a, a prediction if they will or will not uh this will be the year or not. But hey, I learned that in ECU uh journalism school. Uh good way to to get some clicks. Uh come up with a nice headline. Um 
do we want to save this for next week or, or do y'all does anybody want to throw out a prediction right now i'll i'll, I'll just throw it out there uh, you know i go you in all these times i've done podcasts with you you i'm i've never shied away from making predictions and i'm just gonna say i have that feeling this is the year i'll just leave it at that we'll get into more i think next week when we're doing our predictions but i'll just say this is the year 2023 Keith Blair number yeah it's a good day to ask that question uh yeah I I uh it almost feels too perfect and you know I feel like it's going to be overplayed all season long so I'm going to try and stay away from it but hey this is the is this the year you see us down the door Omaha podcast so you know we might as well ask the question uh we got we got a write-in question from an old friend Corey Glore. Oh, boy. He wants to know if, yeah. First time caller. He's a long time <laughs> listener, apparently. Last time. Uh, will there be cake awaiting Corey Glore in the press box this April? <laughs> um, Corey, I'm going to say no. Uh, as much as we appreciated your time at East Carolina, um, I, I, I don't think I don't think there will be cake. I, I do think there will be Jersey Mike's and Pizza Hut. <laughs> on a rotating schedule, as there always is in the press box. So I hope you enjoy that, Corey. Um, but no, we're looking forward to having you back. Congrats to your way, by the way. Congrats on getting the call like the best moment in school history, right out of the gate. Second year with the program, man. You're not lucky at all or anything. I'm not jealous or anything. <laughs> Corey, if it was up to um, me, I would, have, I would have a cake for you in the press box. If it was up to me. Well, can y'all even hear me right now? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. My, my little thing was spinning. I, I didn't know if I got disconnected. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe we'll come up with something special that weekend and bring you some donuts or something. Uh, Corey needs right. special because I feel like he has been on, like, cloud nine for, like, 18 months at this point. So I think you yeah. should bring stuff for us. Yeah, how about you bring us those things from uh, Cafe Du Monde or whatever, Corey, uh, from down in New Orleans. Give us some New Orleans uh, cuisine. All right, let's get to some more of these questions. Uh, Matthew, uh, I can't pronounce his last name, so I'm not going to try. Is this the first Hoist live stream? Matthew, this is our second live stream, man. I'm disappointed you would ask that question. We were live yesterday. I'll, I'll admit we were live against Pirate Radio and Mike Houston, and we still got pretty good viewership, so uh, – yeah, this is our second. We hope to do more live streams going forward, so give us a like, all that stuff on uh, social media. Uh, Skull Pirate continues to comment. I keep having to scroll past him. Um, <laughs> Ryan Gupton, former ECU baseballer, says, agreed on McChrystal. I've heard guys that saw him a lot in high school and said he's the real deal. Print <laughs> to see Scotty Moe, boys. <laughs> <laughs> good one there. Um, all right, here's a good one. Uh, because I have this as a prompt, uh, will Josh Moreland make a comeback? Chuck wants to know. And, you know, we talked to Josh at Media Day after last year, you know, had a, had a little bit of struggles, um, I think more mentally than anything. Uh, Jonathan, we'll, we'll start with you. Like, I think we all expect Moreland to bounce back to some extent. It's just a matter of to what extent. Yeah, I think that that's that's a fair you know, way to look at it. You know, Josh Moylan, his freshman year, we, we saw what he's capable of. And last year, for whatever reason, it's just 
you know, he saw some struggles. And personally, I think I think he is going to bounce back. At least I think his power is going to bounce back. I think he got hot and you saw his power kind of come on a little bit at the end of the year last year. And I think that's going to carry over. I still think there's uh, there's a lot of swing and miss to his game. And I think that you can only fix so much of that, you know, in a short period of time. But so I, I think Josh Moylan's going to bounce back. And I'll say I think he's going to lead the team in homers again this year. But I do think that you are going to continue to see a little bit of, you know, struggles. I think he's still going to strike out a lot, but I do think his power will at least make somewhat of a resurgence and at least enough. Again, like I said, I believe he's going to lead the team in homers. So I hope he does. I think that's one of the biggest really storylines of this whole season. Josh Mullen last year, he batted 221, but he did draw 35 walks, which uh, was tied for the team lead alongside Lane Hoover. He had six homers, 11 doubles, and a team-high four triples. So Josh Mullen, all, always known for his speed, uh, right, Scott? What, what do you see from Josh Mullen this year? What, is, what are fair expectations? I think he hits double-digit home runs this year. Um, I think he. I think one thing that is, you know, a bit overblown, especially with some some of us that have watched baseball for a long time, is batting average. You know, his on-base percentage last year was not bad. Um, and he continued to see the ball well. Sometimes I think his eye is too good for college baseball, um, where he is seeing balls that are balls that are being called strikes because there's 320 teams that play college baseball, and that means there's a 1,000 umpires calling the game. And out of a 1,000, you're probably not only going to get good ones, um, especially behind the plate. It's, it's very difficult. Um, and I think he did kind of come on towards the end of the year um, so yeah, I think Josh Moreland, I think he'll hit and um, in the five hole and be just a force this year. Um, you know, driving in Amac and Starling and you know maybe Rasmussen or or Hoover. So ECU set a rip hashtag or uh, also known as ECU Pirates backwards. I was wondering uh, how long you were going to put that off trying to say his name. <laughs> I, I was I was waiting for my moment to call you out for it, but I'm glad you finally got there. <laughs> for those unfamiliar, he is a poster on Hoist the Colors, and his name is his username is ECU Pirates uh, with Pirates spelled backwards. Um, and I can't pronounce it. Either way, he says, I don't have a question. I'd like for you to note that I don't have a question. I just enjoy hearing you try to pronounce my name, uh, which is pretty funny. But he did say what catcher – he does have a question apparently because he got on YouTube. Maybe he just wants us to pronounce his name. What catcher went off in summer ball? Was that McChrystal or Wilcox? And that was McChrystal, um, ECU Pirates backwards. He had a monster summer. I can't remember with what team, but uh, he had a huge, huge summer. So looking to see him. Uh, Bubba Rosamob says Burlington sock pocket socks. <laughs> Apparently, I can't pronounce anybody right now. The Burlington sock puppets, I believe it was. Uh, Jacob Jenkins Carrot was also with them a short time. Yeah, that that sounds yeah, right. Uh, yeah, that sounds right. That's yeah. a fun little stadium in uh, Burlington. If you've never been out there, uh, I went for a Burlington Royals game one time. It was a cool spot. 
Well, I have to make the trip now to, to Burlington for the sock puppets. Check out the uh, check out the next pirate great for sure. Um, all right. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Your buddy Skull is back with another question. He just can't get enough, Scott. He's uh, he's loving it up. Are we upset about the new conference and boring matchups coming up? Well, Skull, are you more excited about ECU Cincinnati eight times a year? Or, excuse me, six times a year. That was the COVID year. God, oh, I wasn't God. about to shoot myself. Uh, <laughs> they met for the 10th time in the American Athletic Conference tournament. Uh, either way, um, I don't know, man. I think the new conference will be pretty good. FAU coming in. We know Rice has been down, but we know Rice historically a very strong program. Um, Old Dominion – not Old Dominion. Excuse, that was, that was, they're in the Sun Belt now. For the for the crowd that wants ECU to join the, the, uh, the Sun Belt. Um, but you look at the teams coming in, I th- you know, UTSA was decent last year. Historically, not the strongest program, but they've been pretty good. Like, I feel like the additions are, are going to be solid. And to me, it's, you know, Charlotte has been playing well. Like, I'm not thrilled about them, but I'm not upset about them. How about y'all? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, if you compare what we're gaining to what we're replacing, I, I'm – pretty excited about it you know if you look at charlotte instead of cincinnati that's a much better you know annual rivalry game right um rice is a more interesting and recognizable baseball opponent than houston um you know and then if you lump all the other ones together they equal ucf because then you don't have to deal with um the ucf people so um yeah, I mean, I, I'm not upset at all about the new conference. I think um, we get we get a lot of owls. That's cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, I think playing Charlotte every year on a weekend that matters, I think, will be um, a lot more fun than you know when we play Houston the last weekend of the series uh, the, of the season or South Florida the next last weekend of the season. So I think just that built-in in-state robbery against you know two pretty good programs charlotte has really done very well the last few years so honestly i think our conference can start being a two or three bid league again with these new additions 
Yeah, and I agree with Scott. I think there are some teams on paper, like just looking at their names, they might not be the sexy team coming in, you know. But there are some teams that do have are kind of on the upswing. And again, I agree, Charlotte's going to be a fun matchup. But I think most importantly, we're going to go through it this season. And the last thing we're going to go through this season that I will not miss is playing against UCF and them crowding the plate and getting hit a thousand times every weekend. And then we get hit and everyone just, God, I can't, I can't stand playing against UCF for that. It's entertaining at the least, just because tensions always seem to get high in that series, but God, I, they are a pain in the butt and I, I'm not going to miss going up against that. That's a little side rant there, but the time is right. Well, Who's the one douchebag that just crowded the plate? God, what was that guy's name? Like, uh, they all crowd the plate. But there was the one guy who got hit like eight uh, times. Tom Jostin or something like that. Or yeah, their second baseman. Tom, He's one of them. Tom but Jostin, it was like, I think, number six. I think it was a couple years ago. They had some dude who would just stick his elbow out. And I, I about lost it. Yeah. yeah I, I know who you're talking about. I think he was an outfielder. But, gosh, screw that guy, too. <laughs> Yeah, you had UCF who crowded the plate. Then you had Houston who threw over to first 47 times in at bat. <laughs> it's, it was the most frustrating games. The games would last six hours. Yeah. And they would just they'd just be lobbing the ball to first the whole game. It's like, can we stop doing this? And Houston and Tulane have been like the biggest disappointment. Like those two programs have too much talent, too much of a recruiting hotbed to not be in the NCAA tournament at least like every other year. And, you know, Houston has just kind of been – I know they were better last year, but they weren't nearly good enough. They need to get back, and I guess they're gone to the Big 12 after this year, so it doesn't really matter. But at some point, they need to get back. You know, I do like Tulane's new coach. I think they're moving in the right direction, but, you know, we'll see if they can get there this year. Sorry, Corey Glory, if you're still listening, uh, that you had to take such a downgrade uh, as far as baseball teams. But, uh, hey. Uh, you can't win them all, Corey. I'm sorry. Um, well, I go, you get uh, yeah. Jose Cruz Jr. coming in for the coach, Mariners legend. Um, yeah, you know, coaching Rice, so you get that at least. Yeah, it was hey, that'll be good. I did a little research and it was Jordan Rathbone. Oh, yeah, UCF guy. Screw yeah. that guy. Screw that guy. Screw that guy. That's all I got to say about Jordan Rathbone. <laughs> Damn good hitter, by the way, but that oh, dude yeah. was annoying as hell. All right. Your boy Skull Pirate, he's got our predictions since we weren't ready to make it. 41 wins, 13 seed, losing the Supers 2-1 to one to Texas A&M. Book it. I mean, it sounds, sounds reasonable. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> um, all right. Let's 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 get through some more of these questions. Um, gosh, Skull, you're killing the feed. I love it, though. Uh, Purple Beard. <laughs> Purple beard. Uh, any baseball NIL deals aside from the players' lounge on Pirate Radio twelve fifty? So I don't know the um, I don't know the official dollar amounts, but there are a couple of the seniors who basically were not on scholarship that have gotten NIL deals to help make up for that difference. So um, that was done by some donors who stepped up in a big way. So kudos to those donors who have helped out some of those guys. Um, so I definitely think that that's. That's uh, awesome. I don't know the dollar amounts again. All right, Buds Collectibles. Um, interesting name. He wants to know, uh, who do we think is the sleeper team in the conference? Well, we do know, guys, that there was only one 
other first place vote besides ECU, and that went to South Florida. And we know that yeah. that was Cliff Godwin because Cliff Godwin can't <laughs> vote for his own team. So Cliff thinks that USF is the sleeper team. What about y'all? Full yeah. transparency, I, I, I haven't done my full-on research into the conference like I usually have by this point of the year, but I, I just have a feeling Wichita State bounces back this year. Again, no, nothing to back it up. I just have a feeling Wichita State bounces back, and they're going to be a tournament team. I would agree with you if I understood what was going on with their coaching situation. They have had – I don't know if, if you guys have looked into that. It's, it's just an odd – it was Eric Wedge last year, right, the former Phillies manager, yeah. and then he stepped away in December or something like that, just yeah. oddly. And Another former Mariners legend. Another <laughs> the American conference is full of them. So, um, yeah. So, so I, I'm a little worried about them from a, a leadership perspective. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I like South Florida. I think they tend to do kind of interesting things late in the year. You know, they were uh, the year they won the conference tournament was that two years ago, and then they upset Florida in the regional, and then made a super regional out of just nowhere. Um, and I feel like they kind of been that team that just pops up at the end of the year. That's like a thorn in someone's side, whether it's us or if it's, um, you know, they've made the tournament somehow and they, they go to a regional and they're a problem. So yeah, I like South Florida as the, as the sleeper team. Yeah. Billy Moles, a former pitching coach. And it seems like by the end of the year, they always can pitch. And to me, that makes, any team dangerous. They always seem to have quality pitching um, by the end of the year. Uh, Matthew Dragus has let me know that that is how he pronounces his name. He also says, you never ask Houston why our DBs don't wear the same color gloves as the opponent. Was I supposed to ask him that? And why would I ask him that? Uh, <laughs> ask, ask Cliff that now. Just replace oh Houston with Cliff and ask him what I'm wearing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that'll that'll go over well. Uh, he loves uniform and weather questions. Um, Kurt Cohn wants to know if if someone told us that Cliff got tossed in a scrimmage for arguing balls and strikes, would you believe it? Due to his intensity level, absolutely, I would believe it. Absolutely, um, especially if uh, a certain umpire that he doesn't like was calling <laughs> calling the scrimmage. I mean, I wouldn't rule it out. Uh, by the way, can we not get a repeat of last year? Game two versus Bryant. Let's not. Yeah, let's not do that. Yeah. Still haunts me to this day. Yeah, that, that hurts. What's uh, Joe West doing these days? Is he back in Greenville? <laughs> yeah, bring him back. Yeah, he would be a bad one to bring back. Just just let him do the opening series so we can avoid snafus. Right. All right, Skull. This might be your last question because <laughs> otherwise we might be here all night. Can you think of a time when the shortstop and second baseman for ECU have both been good offensive players? Seems like it's always one or the other. Very frustrating. Uh, he adds, started getting a bit last year when Starling came on, but uh, I guess ellipses. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, well, two, I, I would say that it's hard to find middle infitters that just rake. I mean, those guys – Either A, go pro out of high school, or they go to the SEC. I mean, you can find them, but it's hard to keep them. 
and it's hard to have multiple of those guys in your program at once. So I think that's kind of what you're seeing now. I would say if Agnos wouldn't have gone pro, you would have that capability. He made the decision to go pro, and that's just part of the process. Scott, uh, any thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at the mold we've had at shortstop since Cliff has been here, it's been your five foot eight, 175 pound glove, you know, and then second base has been reserved for a bat for for the most part, um, especially you know in the last four or five years with Norby and Starling, um, and then Agnos at the beginning of last year, which he kind of played all over the place. But yeah, I think. We put such an emphasis on defense that it's hard to have a shortstop who is a, you know, top level glove and bat that shows up in college. And it's only going to get more difficult, to be honest with you. Yeah. Any additional thoughts, Wag? You, you in line there? Yeah, I'm pretty much in line. It's, you know, not really since I can think, think back and, yeah, it's. I, I agree. It's only going to be tougher, and who knows what we'll get this year. Really, to me, both of those positions. You know, I think I see. I see questions. Jacob Starling. I think he does have the potential to break out this year, but I think he's another one of those guys. You know, you you just don't know. At least in my eyes. So really, shortstop, second base. We'll see. That that's where I'm at right now. We got a, uh, a couple of questions uh, that we didn't get to on our message board. <laughs> I'm not going to read the next Skull Pirate comment because he just, he's just being <laughs> he's being uh, a hole now. Uh, has anyone separated themselves at shortstop, or will it be a game day decision? I think it's going to lead into game day. I think it's going to lead into the season. I think you're going to continue to see competition there. I mean, Barini, Rasmussen. Uh, also, uh, Chrisman, uh, and then too, like I think you could see AMAC there if they really want to go offensive, uh, and, and put in Burgess or you know, Dixon Williams at third. He also adds chances we see Burgess in a DH role. I think you know, if you need a right handed bat against a lefty pitcher who has a good splits against lefties, I think that's definitely a uh, a possibility. Um, all right, Chop Arg, top breakout player. So we let's we'll just go ahead and do this one now, and we might discuss it again on Monday in a few weeks. But top breakout player, we'll start with Wags. I think you said you wrote somebody down. So yeah, <laughs> I had a, I had a couple there, but I and I'm going back and forth between my head right now. But I'm going to go with I I think Carter Cunningham is going to take a jump this year. I wasn't the biggest fan of his bat last year, but he's clearly someone that. Cliff trusts going into the game late defensively. I think he's going to start in right field this year. Does he stick in right field? Who knows how the outfield alignment really shakes out this year. But Carter Cunningham, he has that ability, I think, to hit for power just with his build. I mean, he's the dude is built, and he he does have a nice swing, I think. And I think he might not be a home run power type of guy, but I do think if he can get going, he can be a con- really continuous, you know, double to the gap type of hitter going to get on base and he's fast. You wouldn't, you wouldn't think with his size, but he is fast. He has wheels. So I think he's going to start in right field. And I don't think he's going to give a full-time starting position up throughout the year. We could see him at first base as well. I think he's going to be on the field and I think he's going to turn into, I don't know where he's going to hit in the order. And that's a question that another question I have just, 
you know, how does the lineup shake out? Obviously, Cliff's going to do what Cliff's going to do. But I think, you know, you're replacing Agnos at the top of the order. Cunningham could fill in maybe a two-hole type of guy. I think that could fit him. So I, I just think he's going to put himself in a position to be in the lineup every day. And I, I believe his bat's going to take a step forward. Scott, uh, who's your breakout pick? Yeah, I had uh, Carter Cunningham as my uh, sleeper for outfield. Um, I think Sorry he for skipping up... <laughs> we, Otherwise, we'd be here all night. <laughs> um, yeah, I think he could he, he could definitely be be one of those guys. I had Jacob Starling as um, when I looked at at Chafarg's questions earlier today as as the person that I wrote down. I, I just I really do think he could he could be just a pivotal point of our offense maybe in the two hole or maybe, you know, even further down the lineup of providing, um, you know, some pop in the six hole behind Moylan, um, or maybe even that, that turn guy at nine that sets the top of the lineup back up. Um, another guy, I don't know if you can call him a breakout player, but just a guy that, you know, this year could maybe bat over 350 would be a uh, Lane Hoover. Um, you know, as a guy who sets the table at the top of the lineup, gets on base, we bunt him over, and then you have a couple chances of hitting a double in the gap to get him home or maybe even a home run. But, yeah, those those three guys, I think, could all provide a big spark um, and be that, that breakout offensive player. Good picks, good picks. I had Cunningham as, as one definite possibility. We talked about McChrystal earlier. He would be my pick. You know, if I had to really pick one, um, you know, a guy that we haven't really talked about that I probably would have included in our sleeper outfield is Riley Johnson. Good freshman year, especially the second half, wasn't the same guy last year, whether it be injured or other reasons. I just think he's he's got more than he showed last year. I think being healthy will help him um, for sure. So looking forward to, you know, to seeing Riley bounce back this year. Um going forward uh, a couple more comments chuck on youtube wants to know will i be at truest field in charlotte when ecu plays the 49ers i don't even know the date of that game does anybody have the schedule pulled up are y'all planning to go to that game i'll let you know uh let's see here i mean there's a lot of good neutral site venues april 19th april 19th a wednesday yeah, that's a big question mark for me. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, Charlotte. Yeah, I mean Charlotte's a Charlotte's a hall, man. Yeah, I it's, mean, it's not close. Yeah, so uh, you know what, Chuck? I'm a big fifty-fifty uh, right now. So, uh, <laughs> but if I do show up, I will wear the King Griffey Junior jersey that you bought me, and. Uh, he he truly did send the he sent a King Griffey Jr. Pirate, uh, jersey to Pirate Radio for me, which was awesome, by the way. Uh, I've worn it uh, multiple times the Mariners game since then. So looking forward to hopefully meeting up with you there, Chuck. Um, Matthew says, "Why doesn't the NIL collective advertise in the stadiums?" I have no idea. Um, I'll try to ask. Uh, as far as you know, the the team boneyard. I don't know what the rules are. I've heard other NIL collectives do do it at other places, so I'm sure you can do something about it uh, if you pass it through compliance. Uh, Skull Pirate, <laughs> uh, 
I also noted Cliff get any offers this past offseason. Not officially, no. I think Clemson showed some initial interest, but he ended up staying at ECU. All right, Bubba says, hearing anything about Tyler Bratz from or Bratz from VMI. A big electric arm, you know, throws in the low 90s, can get it, rush it up there in the mid-90s. I just think it's about consistency. Uh, but I think, guys, he could be a back-end bullpen arm if it all comes together. He's another guy with a B-low. Just have y'all heard anything there or, or looking forward to seeing him? Definitely. Yeah. Go ahead, Scott. Yeah, definitely looking forward to seeing him. Um, he's kind of the reason I think you can afford to try a Savage in the rotation, right? Because you do have – essentially in him what your savage was last year an unknown who threw hard who could get you out of a jam or you know potentially put you in one but um you know we'll see what his control looks like we'll see what you know working with uh austin knight is and has done for him um but yeah i mean i'm i'm really interested to see some of the new faces uh specifically in the bullpen yeah and i think you know, looking at his numbers, I don't I don't have the stats pulled up, but I want to say his ERA last year at VMI was in the sixes. So, you know, looking at it, you might not think it's like, oh, who is this guy? But like you said, Steven, his, his arm is good. And I think he's he's in a similar position to, I think, going into last year, like a Ben Terwilliger type of guy. And I think different style of pitchers. I think Brett has a stronger arm. He's going to throw higher velo. But, you know, Ben Terwilliger, he, he may have not, might have not pitched early in the year, but when it was all said and done, he turned into, you know, a guy who you're going to turn to to try to get you some key outs if, you know, you didn't have the Spivey, the Sailor, the Mayhew, whoever else last year. So I, I like Brad. I think he could really turn into one of those back-end guys, and I think, like Scott said, he really does allow you to the luxury of, you know, trying some other things out if maybe your opening day rotation – doesn't work out how you want it to. So I think I think he could turn into a pretty good, solid Terwilliger type of reliever, I think better. Uh, a couple of these questions from Chop Org we've already answered about, you know, freshman impact player. He also has got a question about recruiting. He asked Bristol Carter, who's the toughest commitment to get to campus next year. Uh, that's something I'll have to do some research on heading to the draft. Um you know, as we get closer to that, I'll, I'll try and get a better idea of that chop bar. All right. His last question was, who will have the most home runs and what will that total be? Uh, this is another one we would usually say for our preseason picks. Um, let's let's roll with it. You know, it's 10 <laughs> o'clock. It's HCC after dark. Um, no Bryson Worrell this year. So who's going to step up? Who's going to be the home run king? Jonathan. Well, I, I said it. I said this earlier. I kind of got a little early here, and I said Josh Moylan is going to bounce back and lead the team in home runs. I don't think he's going to lead the team in home runs with the, I believe, twenty that Bryson had last year. But I think he's going to be that, you know, mid-teens, probably about fifteen. I think upwards sixteen, seventeen, if he gets it going. But I, I'm going to be safe, and I'm going to say Josh Moylan with fifteen. But I do think it's going to be a very Power-wise, you know, spread out with guys like Makarevich, McChrystal, a guy like Starling if he turns it on. But I'm going to go with Josh Moreland with 15. Scott, who's your How pick? How many did JJC hit last year? Four? Is that right? Something like that? Let's see. I got it right here. Uh, 13. 13. Okay. I was well. Um, 
Just a little bit. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll go with JJC. I, I think he hits I'll, – I'll say he hits the same number. I'll say he hits 13 again and leads the team. Um, and then Moylan is probably right there behind him at 11 or 12. And then AMAC is probably – I would say AMAC is the only other guy in double digits. And then McChrystal hits eight or nine. Yeah. I, I like that. I, I'm on JJC as well. I think 13, you know, if you get that again from him, you're probably happy with that. Knocked in 65 runs last year, which was a team high. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think we're definitely, definitely happy with, uh, with, uh, with that type of output. If Moreland gives you double digits, I think you're feeling good. I think you'll see a lot of five to eight home runs from guys on this team. Uh, so that's, that's kind of how I see it playing out. All right, guys. Well, that's any other questions uh, you've got. You've got about 30 seconds to get them in because it's past talk on the East Coast. I'm tired. I need a, uh, need a little pick-me-up. Uh, so we're going to play this quick video to uh, – I just want to play the video, so stand by. <laughs> the crowd will come to its feet. A record-setting crowd tonight in Greenville. Here we go again with the 2-2. 20 straight wins, and East Carolina is 2-0 going into tomorrow. Ah, never gets old. Never gets old. Oh, One of the best baseball games uh, – I've covered that Saturday night Saturday night game in the regional is is always uh always amazing. Um the real question is will we have another will it be five in a row? I mean that's a lot to ask. Five regional hosts in a row. That is a lot. Yeah. But somebody told me to check the chat. Like yeah, we have more questions. I didn't see. Yeah. I'm checking the chat. I'm not seeing any more live questions, so if you want to repeat your questions real quick, I'll give you like 30 seconds here before we get out of here. But guys, this has been fun. I mean, this has been uh this has been fun. No skull, I will not throw out the first pitch of a home game. Nobody's gonna allow that. Nobody knows uh, who I am or cares about me throwing a first pitch. If anybody would throw a first pitch, it would be Scott because uh he's got so many fans in this in this uh you know what that. Chat. I had, yeah. I had one pitching uh, appearance in my entire life, and it was among the worst experiences I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you live and you learn, man. If you get another one, you know how to make it count. I will say, though, ECU did allow Josh Graham to throw out the first pitch one time at a baseball <laughs> game. So, that person um, be fired. Yeah, if that's the case, then then maybe I do have a shot. Uh, <laughs> Um, Kurt said the question about Cliff getting tossed in a scrimmage. Yeah, we, we talked about that, Kurt. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, you may have stepped away when we discussed it, but yeah, if there was a, I would definitely believe it. <laughs> so, I'd be more surprised if that hasn't happened. Yeah, I mean, honestly, <laughs> I would expect we're talking nine years uh, of Cliff Goblin as coach of ECU baseball, which is hard to believe either way. Um, but yeah, I would definitely believe it. Uh, Scott is the greatest ECU intramural softball player that Skull Pirate has ever seen. I'm going to guess Skull Pirate has only seen so many uh, intramural softball players. See all of mine. Um, uh, and I see the comment from uh, from Buddy here that Wolfball not so much. I would like to remind <laughs> Buddy 
that I hit multiple home runs um, off the uh, the basketball goal in uh, the Christianberry gym off of his team. So, wow. um, oh yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Good way to wrap it up. Uh, and Bubba says Brian Dilday is uh, opening weekend first pitch. So one of the the Jungle Crew originals. All right, fellas, let's wrap it up. It's ten oh five. It's uh, if this was April, the Mariners would be throwing out their first pitch right now. Cool. This is my uh, this is my this is how I go to sleep watching Seattle Mariners baseball on the West Coast. Um, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll see you guys soon. Again, we plan to do uh, a show on Monday. The what's the date? Thirteenth. Yeah, right before Valentine's Day. So we don't want to do it on Super Bowl Sunday. We don't want to do it on Valentine's Day. We know that everybody's going to be busy with their significant others, um, especially Skull Pirate. Uh, <laughs> Kurt, of course, I've been to more baseball games than Troy D. I mean, that's not a serious question. Troy, I think he goes about three a year when they play Carolina State in the regional game. Um, so, yeah. All right, let's get out of here, guys. It's been awesome. Um, again, we'll have this up in podcast form if y'all missed anything. Again, continue to subscribe to the Hoyt Collar YouTube page and to our Facebook page so we can continue to get this awesome um, interaction. This has been great. Appreciate y'all tuning in uh, late night and interacting as it makes the show a lot more fun. All right, Jonathan, Scott, this was fun. Yeah, hit that uh, that bell on YouTube too so you get a notification. Yeah, right. do that so we can, uh, we can continue to get viewership up. All right, we'll see you guys uh, next time. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.